This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think uh, you know we need to get at least two on the road trip, and we did that. Um, you know, so to get back home and we got two big, two big games coming up. You know, before the All Star break is huge, and you know we got to capitalize on these points and you know just play the right way and keep this momentum going. I mean, it's obviously a great experience coming up here and and being able to to get called up and, and play with the big club. I mean, I think. As a, as a kid, like that's what you dream of, and you dream of being able to play in the NHL. And this is, I think, just another step that uh, you can kind of prove yourself to to kind of uh, make that next jump into the NHL. Our plays improved. We've been much more predictable. Uh, we're much more responsible on our own end. And in the end, we're. I told you there was a lot of times, like things even out during the year, and. It was amazing how many things were going against us early in the year, and I just think some of those breaks that went against us are going our way now. Yeah, that's true. And the tide hopefully turns, and it has been turning over the last couple of weeks. It's a game night here on Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you. The radio voice of the Lightning is with me as always, Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick is our executive producer, Lightning reporter, Chris Crenn is also with us here at the top of the hour. Crenner, it's great to be with you, buddy. Yeah, same to you. Missed you over the, the three-game road trip. Wasn't on the radio mm-hmm. at all, so it's nice to hear your voice again. You get Chris that was, itch. That's... He was getting training in PR. Actually, you have training in PR. <laughs> you were getting a refresher in PR. Yeah, just a refresher course, just in case I ever need to jump in. And do it well. I was going to say, the only you know, good to hear my voice, but that's how my wife feels about me. She likes to hear my voice, and, and we kind of go from there. Um you know, it's interesting. You've been with this team right from the start, and there's been some ups and downs. And I think some would say, Chris, you know, through 35 games-ish, maybe a little bit more, it's been wildly inconsistent. But it does feel like things are turning around. I think there's a lot of reasons. We talked on the show the last couple of days that the goaltending, I think, has really allowed them to kind of settle down. How do you see their their play here over the last couple of weeks and is there anything that's sticking out for you when it comes to why they've been able to munch some points and really be in playoff contention here yeah i mean i think the big thing that that sticks out is is obviously i think coops mentioned it a lot is just the turnovers and, and limiting the turnovers in their own zone you know especially at the, the start of the year we saw some some really ugly turnovers in their own end that led to just grade a chances right in front of their net um, and they're not turning it over nearly as much in their own end and when they are you know, they're not as egregious as some of the turnovers that we were seeing early in the year. And, you know, guys just seem to be playing a little bit simpler. Um, I think having Lilleberg and, and Crozier up has, has kind of helped with that, to be honest, because, you know, if they don't have a play, they're just chipping it off the glass and getting it out whenever they can. And, and I think that's a good thing for the Lightning at times. I think it felt like at the beginning of the year, you know, I'm not sure if they were valuing possession more than, you know, they, they are now necessarily. Like they wanted to hold on to the puck. Um, so, so that would... In, in turn kind of force some of those turnovers and trying to make passes and turning it over but you know sometimes I just think they're better off just getting the puck out of their own end and um, we've seen some of that just again less turnovers and and more consistent play I think in the D zone all around you know we've seen this throughout the years that they know they're not going to win come playoff time if, if they aren't playing good team defense and it doesn't always start that way and I think that's the case for a lot of teams around the league um, but then once you get to kind of the middle of the year and and you really start getting into a playoff hunt, um, you have to play better team defense. And this is a team that, as we've said throughout the year, like they, they really don't have too much of an issue scoring goals. 
I know depth scoring at times throughout the year hasn't been there, but um, at other times it has been there. And obviously they have the, the top end talent up front too. So if they can focus on playing good team defense and limiting teams scoring chances, high end scoring chances, they're going to be in a good spot, especially when you have Vas Vasilevsky in that. I mean, you know, you want to, you don't want him to have to be Superman all the time. If you're playing good defense and he just has to make the easy saves, um, he's going to make some of those those really crazy saves along the way as well. So um, they, they're in a good spot if they're playing good team defense. I think that's kind of been, been the change, really. Like I said, the turnovers. And, um, you know, I think the past few games, you'd like to see them shooting the puck a little more, getting more shots on goal. I think they, they struggled offensively a little bit in that regard. But obviously they, they score all the goals in Philly. Um, so it's been a really good stretch for them. And, and we talked about they need to string together some wins. Um, and they've done that, and they put themselves in a really good spot. So hopefully that continues going into the break. Chris, we've fielded a lot of questions from fans throughout the year about the Lightning's D-zone coverage because they made a change in their D-zone coverage. Yep. And that was just one problem area at the start of the year. Have you seen them improve in terms of their coverage? Where are they in that trajectory? Well, it, it's kind of interesting to me because, you know, I've said this on radio too, like it, it feels like, every game they have one of those shifts that they're they're really hemmed in their own end for for quite a bit of time um and in saying that a lot of those shifts they, they don't give up too many really good chances they're, they're doing a good job keeping things to the outside which i think is their goal primarily but i think really where they've improved in that regard and, and i think this they turned this corner a couple of weeks ago is just guys know where they need to be going for the most part all the time whereas i think in the beginning of the year you saw guys kind of looking over their shoulder and some hesitation. Am I going? Am I not going? Are you going? Am I going? Um, and it seems like for the most part now, everyone knows where they need to be. They obviously have still had their breakdowns at times, but th they've been way, way fewer. They haven't broke down nearly as much. Um, you know, I'd like to see those shifts, those long shifts in their own zone, you know, if they can limit those a little bit more. But like I said, when those have happened, they've done a pretty good job keeping everything to the outside for the most part and staying within their structure. So... It seems better. I'm not, it's, it's interesting because, you know, they've been asked a lot about that, and it seems like the coaching staff is kind of trying to brush it off. Like, <laughs> yes. we, we, we didn't so change I anything that much. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think you can see a, a difference. Like, it, it seems much more zone-based to me. Um, but, you know, I said this at the beginning of the year. It's not going to be easy making that change, but I think the coaching staff deserves credit for doing it because – you see a lot around the NHL coaches get stuck in their ways and they're not going to change anything. And I think they're trying to evolve and, and find the best ways to defend moving forward. And the NHL is getting faster and, and more skilled, you know, every single year. So I applaud them for making the change. It's a little rough at first, but I think it's slowly getting better and hopefully come playoff time, you know, they've really mastered it and what they want to do. Chris Grant joins us here on power lunch on lightning radio. Chernak getting close. Is he playing tonight? Maybe. Who knows? Mikhail Sergachev still out, but when he comes back, Chris, do you feel like that's going to essentially be like getting two guys back before the the trade deadline who are impactful players that will give the Lightning a boost, or is that is that wishful thinking? No, I mean you hope so. It, it's you know, it, it's kind of crazy looking at how many games Sergey has has missed. Um, you know, I, I think at first they they were hoping maybe it wasn't going to be as bad as it was, and he's been out for a while now. So I think. You know, I I've said this before. Like I, I always kind of wonder for guys if if watching the games, um, you know, whether it's from the press box or watching on TV, whatever is is helpful for them. Um, and I think we've seen situations where that that has been the case, where you know guys get a different look at the game. Um, 
and you know when you're down at ice level it's it's so fast and everything is you have milliseconds to make these decisions and when you're watching it from up top it, it seems a lot slower and then that's why it's easier to say what's this guy doing what's that guy doing um but it's harder when you're when you're in the thick of it and i think that watching it from up top and and on tv like i said whatever it is i think that can be helpful um but sergey's a great player like and he has as i've said before he has all the tools to be a number one defenseman in the NHL, I think, to be honest. In, in terms of his physical attributes, he's a great skater. He's physical, a great shot. Um, he does everything well. He's a, you know, he's good on his edges. Um, so I, I, it'll obviously be really big for them to get him back. Chernak, it sounds like he's not playing tonight. Um, I, I was hopeful he would just because he did come out to Philly um, and, and took part in their morning skate there. So I, it, it seems like he's getting close, but they probably just want to take their time a little bit with that one. But... You know, those are two top four defensemen for them. So that'll be big getting those guys back, and it'll be interesting to see what decisions they make with the lineup once those guys do come back because, you know, Lilleberg and Crozier have stepped in, and, and they've both played really well uh, for the Lightning. So, you know, I imagine those guys would probably be out when the other two come back, but we'll see. They're, they're going to make it a tough decision on the coaching staff. A couple of nights ago, Kucherov had four points, and leapfrog Nathan McKinnon <laughs> had a three-point lead that lasted – less than 24 hours yeah. and McKinnon had four goals and five points last night so it's 82 points now for McKinnon 80 for Kucherov they've both played less than 50 games which tells you the kind of season they're having how big of a story do you think this is going to be down the stretch it's almost like an ancillary story for Lightning fans in addition to the team's push for the playoffs this yeah. this race which looks like it's a two-person race for oh, the scoring well, title. Well, who's in third? Are you looking at right now? Yeah, Pasternak's at 67. So, so that's uh, yeah, there's a gap there. And um, I hope it's a story because I just think that there's not enough people talking about it nationally. It's all about McKinnon. And, and listen, it's not that McKinnon doesn't deserve all the all the credit he's getting. He's having an incredible year, and, and he takes over games. And, and, you know, playing at center ice I think obviously helps. But I still think there's not enough talk about Cooch. I mean, the year he's having is it's insane. And... Um, you know, we'll see, you know, he's not going to say he's thinking about it at all, um, but I'm sure he is. I think he, he wants to finish at, t at the top, obviously. Um, I know he wanted an assist on that first goal the other night in Philly and didn't get that one. So, you know, it's it'll be fun to watch. Just McKinnon, the run that he's been on it is pretty amazing on home ice. What is it, like a 24-game point yeah. streak or something? On every home game, ice and right? Every single game. Every game they've played at home. So. He's having a great year, and, and hopefully it does kind of go down to the end. I think that that'd be a great story for the NHL. And it's two guys that not only are they neck and neck for, for first place, but they're both having incredible years. Like, these are numbers that, you know, this doesn't happen every year by any means. So it's really cool that, that two guys are going at it like that. And it'll be interesting to see what Cooch does over, over these next two games because they have kind of – it feels like they've just been leapfrogging each other, going back and forth for, for a few weeks now, but – Two really good players, and, and I know that'll motivate Cooch for sure. I think he's already a very motivated player, but you know I, I still think he deserves a little bit more credit, but being a winger and, and playing in, in this market, maybe maybe that hurts him a little bit. I'm not sure, but um, two really good players, and it should be fun to watch that going down the stretch. Really excited to see how many points both those guys end up with because incredible starts to the year. You think it's just a matter of him shooting more this year in terms of why he's been able to put together the season he's had? Because he's had some monster games. We also have highlighted he's shooting more, which is, you know, maybe a, a little different than from previous years. Yeah, well, well, I asked Coop that the other night because, you know, not to take anything away from the other years he's had because he's been incredible last season. You know, he was great, obviously, the 18-19 year. Um, 
But I asked him, what do you see anything different in him that, that maybe has taken him to even another level? I mean, that's exactly what he said. He's shooting the puck more. You know, he's and, and he's a guy, too, and Coop mentioned this, that when he shoots, you know, the puck has eyes a lot of the time when he's shooting the puck. He's very accurate. He knows where to put it. Um, and he's got a great shot. I think all Lightning fans were wishing he'd shoot the puck more, you know, every single year. And he's already surpassed his goal total from last year. Um, but that that's the thing is he really, you know, we saw it with Point last year. Point was shooting a ton. Um, and that obviously led to the 50-goal season and or 51-goal season. And, and Cooch is, you know, he's you look at the score sheet every night. He's usually got three, four, five, six shots. Um, so that, that's obviously playing a huge part of it. And the thing that's nice with that whole thing is he, he's shooting the puck way more, but the, the assist numbers haven't fallen off really at all. It's just he's he's adding in the goals as well. So, I mean, it's huge for the Lightning. They, if he can be shooting the puck as much as he is, he has a great shot. And, and everything he does is is first class really. But um, when he's wiring it like that, it, it just it opens so many things up. And, and like I said, he's very accurate as well. Um, so it's hard to point to one thing, really, because he, he was so good last year, too. Um, but, I mean, I just feel like the thing that I, I see with him, especially after, you know, watching him over the summer, is just everything, all the little things he does that, that maybe would be a little bit more difficult for, for an average NHLer, he makes look extremely easy. And that goes back to when the puck's coming around the boards, if they rim it in, they're dumping it in on the power play, and he's on the half wall. He can take that puck right off the boards on his backhand, swing out, and it's all in one motion, and he doesn't, you know, the puck's not jumping on him, whatever. And that's hard. That's really hard, and I don't think fans necessarily realize that. You have a curved blade, most of the guys, going up against a flat surface on the boards, and this puck screaming in flat against the wall. Um, you see, you watch it around the league, it's, it's like a hand grenade on a lot of guys. It pops right off the stick, and he's very good at that. And then there's also just the fact that he makes – everything easy for his teammates he when he passes the puck it's flat if it needs to be hard it's hard if it needs to be soft and feathered through it's it's soft it's always on the tape and I, I think that's a huge thing is he just makes life easy on his teammates and you see guys you know whether it's on the lightning or other teams make mistakes and and errant passes and you'd like to see him maybe go a little bit more this way a little bit more that way cooch it seems like everything he does it looks effortless and it's it's perfect. Like like I said, tape to tape passes, they're flat. Um, so I, I think that's kind of why he doesn't necessarily get as much recognition is because it's just those little things that he's worked so hard at um, that he makes look very easy, but they're not easy. Versus a player like McKinnon, who is a big, strong guy galloping down the ice and um, an electric player in that way. Um, just two very different players that, that do a lot of things really, really good. So um, it's been fun watching him, but I just think his dedication to getting better every day and, and his willingness to do some of the things that are maybe boring um, in terms of just repetition and, and getting those reps and like shooting shooting 100 free throws, like if you're a basketball player every day. Um, and we were sitting in the in the press box in Philly the other night, and, and Franz John, the goalie coach, said he has to have probably one of the highest successful pass rates in the NHL because when he passes the puck, it, it typically is going right onto his teammates' tape. So he's very good at that, and... You know, again, I think you're right. Shooting the puck more, obviously, is a huge part of it. But he's just been a huge player for the Lightning, and he's good in, in all all facets of the game, really. We referenced on yesterday's show his ability to, to pick up the puck off the rim. And I actually talked about the story you did on Kucherov last summer. Maybe you can share the anecdote mm -hmm. again where you went out 
to talk to him and you watched him working with Adam Oates and they worked on that specific drill, which is a game situation, very important game situation. I mean, how many, how many pucks did he pick up off the boards in that one day that you yeah. went and watched him? I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's he, Adam Oates probably sat there at the top of the left blue line, maybe 30 minutes, just rim the puck, rim the puck, rim the puck. And same thing over and over and over. And then he went, kind of below the goal line almost, kind of where he scored that the second goal I think he had in Philly where he took it yeah. off his skate and then put it in. He was working on that and taking taking passes off the back, whether it's coming off the back wall or taking passes from the other side and quickly turning, firing a top shelf, turning it, firing a top shelf. And that's what I mean is he said it himself when I talked to him. He said, I said, does it ever get boring doing some of those things? Because it's not like, you know, you're not doing two-on-ones. You're not shooting the puck all the time necessarily. And he said, of course, it's boring. That it's very boring, but these are the things that you have to do if you want to be great, and and that's how he sees it. He's willing to do all those things just over and over and over until he gets them perfect, and he's not happy unless they're perfect. And I just think that's that's huge for him because, like I said, there are the little things in the game that you know he he said this as well as like if I can take the puck off the boards and give myself half a second more than I would otherwise, that half a second can mean all the difference in the game. Um, and I think that's true. It's just a game that, that moves so fast, and he's so smooth with most things he does, and it's not an accident. It's because he practices those things. And I would I would say I would imagine most guys in the NHL over the summer aren't aren't practicing a lot of the things that he's doing. So he has all the fundamentals down pat. Like I said, it's almost like if you're a basketball player, go in the gym and shoot 100 free throws every day or whatever it may be. He did all those little things over the summer, and he obviously has the top-end skill as well. So it's been fun to watch i mean you the way he just can control the puck and he has the puck on a string it's like you know he he can come down i think back to the the year they went to the cup against colorado the florida series when he was coming in on ekblad and made that move you know inside out and then found perry on the back door he he makes moves like that against elite nhl defensemen it makes them look silly i mean he's he's just has the puck on a string like i said he can go through two guys um so it's you know, it, it, that guy has a stick in his hand and the puck on it probably, I don't know, half of his life it feels like he's just always working on it. So it's a lot of fun to watch. He's he's very talented. And like I said, it's just the little things that that impress me that you notice throughout the game that some guys may struggle with. He's he's perfected a lot of it. Chris Gren joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Chris, with a recent play, do you think this prevents potentially Julian Brisewa doing something at the trade deadline? Or do you feel like if he can upgrade the roster in any capacity, he will? Probably the latter. I mean, it's 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 tough to say what he would want to do. Um, you know, I, I look at their their D depth right now. They're playing well. You know, with with the two guys in Lilleberg and, and Crozier, obviously. Um, and Crozier reminds me a little bit of of Perbix in a weird way, just because of kind of similar. Both played college hockey. You know, Perbix coming into last year. I'm not sure if anyone expected him to have the year he did. Um, and now Crozier's come up, and, and he's looked just steady. And that was the thing with Perbix last year. He was steady, and that was why he stayed in the lineup is just, you know, he wasn't making mistakes, and um, I've seen a lot of that in Max. I, I don't know if he if he's going to be a guy to stay up, um, but I would think if they were going to target something, it would probably be third or fourth line, more depth scoring. You know, a guy that obviously they're not going to have a lot of money. It would have to be a money-in, money-out thing, but maybe there's a third liner out there on a, you know, a two million a year deal or something similar to that that they could kind of bolster, you know, their their forward lines a little bit and and maybe bring in a guy that that has some playoff experience. I mean, they have a lot of it themselves, obviously, but 
you know, I think bringing in another guy that's that's strong in the room, um, that could go a long way too. So it, it feels like to me that they'll end up doing something. I mean, it's it's going to be tough with the cap, like I said, but they think they can win the Stanley Cup this year. And, and if they can strengthen the roster um, to do that, then they will. Last one for me, Chris. Uh, this is kind of another Kucherov question, but it's in the context of the Lightning's power play, which comes in over 30% this year, first in the NHL. Some of the best power plays, and I think of the Rangers' power play, they have a great power play. They have guys who are in their spots, but they are, they are in motion a lot. Like Zibanejad is moving. Fox is straddling the blue line. Kreider basically stays in front of the net. Panarin moves up and down the wall, and it's tough to defend because their players are in motion. The Lightning's power play, I'm going to use this word, and I don't mean it like in a derogatory way, it's static. Yeah. And I think it's static because... The four players other than Kucherov stay in the same spot, and Kucherov is selling six things <laughs> and then figuring out where to go yeah. so those players stay put. How unusual is that, do you think? And what does it say, again, about Kucherov's ability to present four or five different options to the penalty kill unit, and they can't really figure out where the puck is going? Yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, I'm not sure if it was you I was listening to that said this or, or who it was, but um, someone was saying the other day that he gets the puck and you have to keep your eyes on him because you, you don't know where he's going to go with it. But it's almost like he can be looking straight ahead and he, he knows where Stamkos is going to be right to his left and he doesn't even have to look or maybe he sees in his peripheral vision. But you, they have to put attention on him. Um, and when when he has pressure on him, he knows he has Hedman here, Stamkos here, point here. Paul there like it's just they have to have guys looking at him and and he knows where he's going to go with it the other interesting thing too is like I think of Edmonton too with that with the power play with the guys moving around constantly and you never know what's going to happen yeah it's a great example um but these guys when uh, I was listening to Ryan Callahan talk on on Jeff Merrick's show um about that power play and he said you know you look around the league like how many teams have a power play like this where you know Cooch Hedman and stammer and point really too they how long have they been playing together they know Hedman knows where Cooch is going to go Cooch knows where stammer is going to go stammer knows where Cooch is going to go they don't have to talk that much really on the ice probably even it's just they've had they've been together for so long on that power play and they've had such good chemistry that it's hard to stop and I think that around the league you know there's there's a lot of talking it's hey maybe you should go here and I just think that they have such good chemistry that that they know where the guy's going to be. It reminds me of Washington back in the day when they had Mike Green at the point, Ovechkin and Backstrom, and then the power play was so good. But those guys had been together for a long time too. And um, I don't know. I mean, Cooch is – that's his bread and butter, right, is the power play. But you're right. It's just the fact that he can he can sell shot and he can pass it. He can sell pass and, and he can shoot it. And just the, the ability to set guys up. And, like, how many times have we seen – you know, what does he have? 49 assists this year. How many of those have been a perfect pass right on the tape and the guy's the open net to shoot into? It, it's really impressive. So he, he's a dynamite player. He's somehow taken it to another level this year. And it's good to see their power play, you know, doing what it needs to do. We've seen it kind of go up and down a little bit more so recently. But still, I mean, you're the number one power play unit in the league. And they can feel very confident, um, you know, putting that first unit out. And even leaving Cooch out there sometimes with the second unit. We've yeah. seen that at times this year. You know, I, I I love that. I think that's something Washington has done with Ovechkin for a long time. And, you know, I, I think if it, if he's not skating around, exerting a ton of energy, it you know, it, it's good to keep him out there. He just generates so much. So 
a lot of fun to watch. That's one of the you may even be able to call it one of the best power plays ever, really, with all the all the guys that have stuck together for so long. Brenner, before we let you go, what do you make of the Eastern Conference just in general with some of the races that are developing? It's tough. I mean, it's it's you look at the standings and it's one night the Lightning are here and then the next night you can look in there in a completely different spot. It's tight. It's really tight. And, um, you know, we've seen they've gotten some help at times, I think, um, in, in the Eastern Conference. Some teams that started off really hot have, have kind of slowed down or, or hit some bumps along the way. But it's going to come down to it. I, I just think that, you know, I look at some of these teams that that are kind of in the wild card hunt. You know, I look at Detroit. Detroit is, they're having a great year. And, you know, they're improved from last year, right? Um, to me, they feel like just, you know, I'm not sure if they're they're all the way there quite yet. Um, you know, they got Kane, and that was a huge addition. He's, he's a little banged up right now. But the teams below the Lightning, they have the games in hand. But it's, it, you know, Jersey, in terms of the wild card race, Jersey, you know, Philly, they're kind of right around the same with the, the Islanders, the Capitals, the Penguins. Crosby's having a great year. But to me, I feel like if the Lightning can, can continue to, to find their stride the way they have, you know, over these past 10 games or so, they, they should be fine. I mean, they, they know how important the games are. Um, but it feels like they, they're really kind of starting to kick it into another gear. I mean, it's going to come down to it. It feels like it has a lot over the past few years, at least for the second wild card spot. Um, but it's tight right now, and, and these games are going to be very important, especially these next two. And interested to see how it, how it pans out tonight. I mean, Arizona did not play well last night in Florida, but they saved Ingram for the Lightning with how well he's played <laughs> against them. So we'll see what happens because he's been just unbelievable against them in the past. And I know I'm sure there's some added motivation there with him being drafted by the Lightning. So should be a fun game. There's not going to be a tribute, is there? <laughs> Maybe the minor leagues, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. We appreciate you. And we will talk to you tonight throughout the broadcast. Great. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Chris. Right, there he goes. Thanks, Mitch. There he goes. Chris Cren, our Lightning reporter and broadcaster. He also has a podcast, right? Into the Blue. Yes, he does. Shirley. Very good one. I believe that drops on Tuesdays, so make mm-hmm. sure you listen to that anywhere you get your podcast. And Austin and... is very good at putting the video clips of Into Ooh. the Blue on our social media channels. You made so you can Austin's see Gabby day. and Chris in all of their glory. Chris usually does it from somewhere in his house, but he has a nice little backdrop there. Got some lightning stuff on the walls. You can really tinker with the technology today. Gabby's like the gal about town because a lot of times she's yeah. on the road with the team, right? And it's true. doing it from a hotel room. But Chris was Check on the out. last trip. Yeah, Chris Chris was on the trip, and we had the headset set for him in all three locations, but he didn't come up to the press box once because he was, he was helping out on the PR side he was, of things. He was doing his other job. He was doing and his other job. we appreciate that. Yep. We appreciate that about him. All right, so if you want to react to anything Chris had to say or the first hour of the show, half hour of the show, you can at Bolts Radio. Hit us up on X. We'll get to some questions coming in. You know, I looked at this game, partner, and it's it's one of those situations where you look at, at Arizona and they're just not a sexy team. I don't think they've ever really been a, a sexy slash exciting team since they they became a team in the NHL, but they are playing better. Mm-hmm. Basically they're 500 when you look at the, the overtime losses and, and where they are right now. So they're I think in the mix for a playoff spot. They in are the in the mix and they have some guys who can hurt you. And you know, listen, he, he mentioned Ingram and he'll be motivated. He's played well against Tampa Bay. This is one of those sneaky games where 
the Lightning are going to have to find a way, I think, to to get going. And uh, hopefully the fact that they've been winning games is enough, but they better be ready for Arizona. Yeah, so John Cooper, I can't remember if he was asked about this game specifically or the final two before the break because the Lightning get their bye week leading into the All-Star break. And he basically said, if we aren't able to kind of consolidate what we did on the road, meaning pick up points in these games tonight against Arizona, Saturday against the Devils, shame on us. So no game is a a guaranteed lock, (laughs) but I think Coop expects his team to meet the challenge of consolidating the good work they've done over the last several weeks and go into the bye week continuing to trend up. But you got to go out and show it, and Arizona has been a tricky opponent for the Lightning. In fairness, more often in Arizona than here in Tampa, but you were right. They are a team that can bite you in the rear end, and they're coming off a really ugly game. They lost 6-2 to the Panthers. They were down, I believe it was 5 nothing after two periods, so it was game over. And I don't know what happened. The teams had just played in Arizona recently, and there were like three fights in the first period of that game, one right off the opening faceoff. Jack McBain and Lomberg fought. So something – I'm – I'm going to talk to the Arizona guys tonight and find out what happened in that first meeting. I mean, maybe I should have known, or maybe one of the fans can can let us know. But Arizona, I mean, it was a tough night. <laughs> you know, they had the fights. They got blown out. Clearly, it was a game where temperatures were high coming in, and, and they were on the short end of a lopsided score. So they're going to have some motivation to get back on the horse tonight, just like what we were talking about with the Lightning, when they had a disappointing loss, different sort of loss, but disappointing nonetheless in Detroit on Sunday, and they came back and got a win in their next game. So the Lightning should be ready. They're going to need to be ready. Now, Mitchell Chafee is in tonight. Look for him to play on the fourth line with Luke Lindenning in the middle, and Merrilla is going to be back in on the other side, and Tyler Mott, who had been on the fourth line call it the fourth line. The, the line with Glenn Denning for the Philly game, Mott goes back to the middle with AC Mon and Sherry. So they mixed up the lines a little bit, but the line up, the only change is Chafee is in for Barry Boulay. And the 6D, or the 6D I, let me rephrase. Merrilla comes in, Chafee comes in, Barry Boulay comes out, and Phil Myers was reassigned. So the Lightning went 11-7 and seven in the Philly game. They're back to 12-6. and six. But the six defensemen who were in tonight were the same six that, that played against the Flyers. What's the most recent update on Sergachev? Have we had one? Not till after the break. Not till after the break. Okay. And but it Chernak sounds like the be... same with Chernak and, and Flurry. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. You might they, have been, they have been practicing, though. They were out of the ice today. They were out on the ice in Philly for the morning skate. So they're getting close. I mean, Flurry is a hand situation. So, I mean, he, he's fine to skate, and Chernak got got checked, right, in the head. So, I mean, yeah. his is not a, a leg situation. Sergachev's is. So, you know, the fact that Chernak and Flurry can skate is great, but they haven't yet been cleared, clearly. For sure. The, the Coyotes do have some skilled players that can hurt you. Keller's a good player. Mm-hmm. Schmaltz is a good player, for sure. You know, the one guy who, and he's young, but there's that Pittsburgh connection. Third overall, Logan Cooley. Yes. And I think you're going to say he played in Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
And so he's a guy that, you know, 23 points through 46 games. That's mm-hmm. not terrible. Third he's overall got a lot of high in 2022, skill. to your point. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. So, you know, a guy that has a lot of skill, they were, and still, banking on to, you know, be a game breaker for them. But, like, you know, they got Jason Zucker, Nick Bukestad. Bukestad's actually turned out to have a pretty decent year. We were talking about him mm-hmm. the other day on the show. He's put together some really good offensive numbers to go along with what he's been able to do um, defensively. And Zucker is interesting, too, because he was coming off a really good year in Pittsburgh and signs that deal with Arizona. I'm not sure he's had the same impact, at least production-wise, but I've always liked him. His issue was just kind of staying healthy. But he's a guy that you better be ready because he'll hit you. Yeah. You know? He had 27 goals last year, to your point, and, yeah. and had a very good offensive year. So you're right. Arizona is, is kind of a hard team to say, well, they're they're in the spot that they're in, which is to say contending for a playoff spot, because of A, B, and C. And and I'm not sure that there's really an, an even an A that's jumping out at you. I mean, they're they're better defensively and they're better offensively than they were last year. They're they're basically even in terms of their goal differential. Their special teams are are just okay, tied for eleventh on the power play, eighteenth on the penalty kill. I'm actually going to their so they're a plus one goal differential this year. And they've been better at home than on the road, but they haven't been horrible on the road. Eight, eleven, and three with a good home record that gets you in the mix to to be contending for a wild card spot in the West. You mentioned Keller, who's who's their leading scorer, and he's got a pretty good year going. I believe he is at fifty points. Am I right about that? Checking his numbers. You're right talking about now. Keller? Yeah. Keller is at, sorry, 40, 40 points. So he was their first player to hit 20, 30, and 40. So he's at 42 points at 45, 46 games. And so he's basically at a point per game. Yeah. He's been good. So, but I mean, it's not like they have, I mean, they don't have a Kucherov or a McKinnon, but even pick another team where you might say, you know, they don't have a Kyle Connor, <laughs> they don't have a Posternock. They don't have a guy. They don't have a Matthews. I mean, there are some teams that are that are, that are on the wrong end of the playoff cut line. I wouldn't even say they have a Dylan Larkin, right? I mean, Larkin might not be in the same class as, as the guys I just mentioned, but he's he's a very good player right? and a very important player for Detroit. I just think that they seem to play well as a team, and Ingram is having a very good year. He's 17-9-1. He's got a 2.47 goals against, and his save percentage is a, is a tick under 920. That's and he, is, he has been dealing against the Lightning in two full games, one of which went to the shootout. So he's played 65 minutes in one game and 60 in the other. He's allowed a total of one goal. He allowed one <laughs> in that shootout. That didn't <laughs> count against impressive. him. So his yeah. numbers are are like yeah. staggeringly good against the Lightning. Those games were played in Arizona. So we'll see. I'm not really giving you. I'm not really giving you anything you can like sink your teeth into. Uh, I will mention that. They really like this Matias Michelli, who had a nine-game yeah. scoring streak earlier this year. The overall numbers are not, you know, like eye-popping, but he's solid. And in that first meeting, Michael Carconi, who has 15 goals this year, did score two goals against the Lightning. Yeah. But That's let's right. be honest, that game was more of a goalie victory for Arizona. Ingram outplayed Johansson in that game. And I think that, He's was been good. The, that was the key to their victory. 
Ingram, you know, look, we talk about the Lightning's depth in net, and it always, you know, focuses on Bishop and Vasilevsky when you kind of start talking about the the starters. But I mean, Dave Connor Ingram's turned out to be a, a pretty good NHL goaltender here. Now I know he hasn't played yeah. a ton of games, but it looks like he's starting capable. You know, and then you factor in some of the backups the Lightning have had, which has been great. Johansson has been really good behind Vassy. And some could argue, would he have an opportunity to start somewhere else? But the Lightning have done a really good job in that area of identifying some talent or bringing in free agents to back up Vassy and Bishop. Mm-hmm. And I think it's paid dividends, you know, all the way back from, you know, Louis Domingue to what we've seen right now. So well, an area that's the Lightning have been found, pretty good. Yeah, they found good players. I'll call it the later rounds. I mean, do you call the third round a later round? I mean, it's not the first round, but they found Braden Point in the third round, or they took Braden Point in the third round. They took Sorelli in the third round. And while Ingram didn't come up through the Lightning's organization and play for them at the NHL level, they did pick him in the third round. Yeah. And, and he's had some personal issues that he's had to, to work through. They did a yeah. long story on NHL.com about his his issues with OCD, which, you know, he got treatment and sounds like, I mean, there's no like snapping your fingers and, and now he's cured, right? But sure. he's managing it. And the fact that he's managing it, you know, he's, he's in a much better place, it sounds like. He's able to play and perform up to his capabilities and he's found a home in Arizona. So good for him. But the ability was always there, right? And that's what the Lightning saw when they drafted him. They liked him a lot. And, I mean, a third-round pick. You know, that's not a six-round pick. Yeah. And it's – you got to – goaltenders are weird. Unless I think you're like a Vassie or somebody that's in some ways a no-brainer, you can get some good goaltenders in those later rounds that, that end up developing a little later. But good for him. And he certainly played well against Tampa Bay. Let's get to some questions here on X, Apple's Radio. Jay says, Crozier is looking more poised every game. Probably the best or second best defenseman for the Lightning on Tuesday. I only counted one bad pass from him. Breezewell has interesting decisions to make on the blue line when this roster is healthy. And the question with that is, if it ever gets fully healthy. Because in a perfect world, yeah, some really tough decisions. But Dave, as you know, sometimes that, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Look, nothing is nothing is set in stone with the lineup. I mean, the lineup is fluid. That's just the nature of the beast. Austin Watson's out weeks now with an injury he sustained Sunday in Detroit. But I maintain this. If you can help the Lightning win, you are going to get a chance to play. <laughs> and is it possible? I don't really like going down this hypothetical rabbit hole, if you want to call it that, but... The fans have asked. They've asked repeatedly. They've looked at it. And at this point, the Lightning have two games left before, presumably, Sergachev, Flurry, and Chernak are able to return. So let's fast forward to early February. If the Lightning have their full lineup back on the blue line, no subsequent injuries between now and then, and the three guys who are out are healthy and able to return, is it possible that the Lightning will send Lilleberg and Crozier back to Syracuse? Yes, neither one has to clear waivers, and the Lightning would have to create roster room. But I maintain what they have showed at the NHL level isn't just going to be forgotten. So I don't know that an assignment to Syracuse would be permanent or long-term or even 
short term. It may be as, as soon as a day or two. You know, the first time that something doesn't go right on defense or you have another injury, one or both of those guys may be coming right back up. So I often say these things have a way of working themselves out, and sometimes they work themselves out in that somebody else gets hurt or you know there's a roster spot that opens up. If there isn't a roster spot that opens up, you know, players go down. It's not like they're banished forever. It means that for now they're going down. But if they showed well, they're probably going to be back up. That's how I would look at it right now. But as we speak today, those 3D, Chernak, Sergachev, and Fleury are not available. So Lilleberg and Crozier are going to play again tonight. And all things being equal, unless something weird happens, we have other injuries or who knows, they're going to be playing on Saturday. And then we'll see We'll see what the lineup looks like when the Lightning return to action on February 7th against the Rangers. It's the best of both worlds with a lot of these injuries and these young defensemen coming up and getting an opportunity to play because the Lightning are winning games mm-hmm. while their regulars are out. And the Lightning are also finding some depth and potential starter-capable players for the future. You also have what I keep harping on here and there is that third option is that you do have an opportunity here to move a player if you wanted to if you feel like there's a logjam on the back end and let's face it uh, unless the lightning trade one of their regular defensemen which i don't think is happening because those guys you're trying to win now if you're looking to improve the team you either do it just keeping the guys internally and ride it out or you can sit there and say look I, i think we need to get a little bit better what assets do we have and who can we move i don't know if the lightning anticipated dave that they have three to four defensemen down in the AHL who are are NHL capable at this point. And I think they're starting to find out that they do. Now, maybe they did, and, and we are just seeing it for the first time, and maybe they knew about this all along. But I, I don't think you really know until you do it. Yeah. And I understand the back end, it, it takes some time for those guys to be stalwarts back there. I mean, look at Mikhail Sergachev's up and down career a little bit as a member of the Lightning. The ability was there, but I think it took him, and it still is, I think, taking him some time to eventually find his footing. And it's a hard position to to grasp. So I I understand that. But honestly, Dave, I, I think it is the best of both worlds in many ways with the injuries. The Lightning have been winning games, and they've been winning games in part because the guys they have called up have played well, which not only helps you in the short run, it's going to help you in the long run. Whether that means they're staying here for Tampa Bay and playing in a top six, top seven role on this roster, or you can ship one of them out and bring in an asset that's going to help you win a Stanley Cup. And I do think this is a scenario where it's a it's a tremendous situation for the Lightning to be in. And one, I don't know if we thought before the season began. You have the depth. Yeah. And again, guys are up and down. I, I understand that, but I didn't anticipate this, and it's it's good to see. Well, we saw these players in training camp, and, and all of the guys that have gotten into games this year on defense, the, the, the young-slash-new players to the NHL, did play in the preseason. And I came away impressed. Now, did I think that they would jump right to the NHL this year? I had no idea, and and if you had asked me, I probably would have said unlikely based on who the Lightning had ahead of them on the depth chart on D and the fact that the Lightning tend to let players kind of 
percolate right at the AHL level, learn the game, get some reps, make that adjustment. And, you know, in the case of Crozier and Lilleberg, I mean, Lilleberg, it's his first year in North America, and Crozier just finished up his college career last year. Now, he went to Syracuse after he finished at Providence, but this is his first full pro season. So, yeah, it's a little surprising to see them up. But the other thing, too, is they've had half a year in Syracuse. So they are farther along now or when they came up than they were in camp. And I thought all those guys look good in camp. Yeah. But it's hard to it's hard to project for us. I mean, we're seeing them play in maybe one or two preseason games, you know, 15 to 16 minutes in the preseason. The Lightning, as an organization, are watching these players closely game in, game out. Right. In in regular season action in the minors and seeing them in all different situations. Do you think right now they have more depth? And I guess it's quality depth. Maybe it's depth that we know a little bit more about on the back end than they do up front. Because we have seen some players up front, partner, also get an opportunity to play this year. You know, we, we've seen a decent mix. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Syracuse is having a good year, right? Did I tell you what Stacy Roost mentioned when he came into the booth? I think you did. I, 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 sure. All right. So I can't remember if this was you missed a game or two where there I can't remember what it was. Were you under the I might the have been weather? working from home. Yeah, yeah, you had a game or two where you were working from home or you were actually on the air when Stacy came in. So, you know, Stacy Roost is one of the AGMs for the Lightning. It was the Kings game. He he and I had a conversation. He came in the booth. Did and he said say he listens to the show? I don't know that he listens to the show. Okay. He very well right. may listen to the show. I'll have to I ask him. him. But I think I will say this, and he he's an AGM, but you know he's on the road. Like he is traveling around. He's watching different players play. I know this for a fact that a lot of the scouts, because they are traveling, and they're usually in a car, they are listening to our games, our radio broadcasts. I've nice. heard that. So I don't know if Stacy is Stacy's now elevated to the point where maybe he gets to travel by airplane wherever he's going. He spends time in Syracuse, et cetera, et cetera. But I asked him about the D, right? So this was the Kings game. This was the first game in the homestand. And at that point, the Lightning had called up whatever it was, four defensemen in, in a four or five game span. And he said, I believe when we have our 6D down there, and he mentioned the 6D, day, on the left side, you had Day, Carlisle, and Lilleberg. On the right side, you had Myers, Thompson, and Crozier. He said, I think we have the best 6D in the AHL. That's what he said. That's impressive. Yeah. So are any yeah. of them going to turn into, like, Victor Hedman or Drew Doughty? You never know. They don't, they, you never know. Yeah, you never know. But right? what you he's saying know. is the quality of their play up and down from one to six, however you want to rank them, is is – collectively better than any other team that he has seen in the American Hockey League. So that's so quite a statement. Is, but I think there's been depth at forward, too. I mean, there have been guys who have had very good years. Gonsalves is one. He's an AHL All-Star. And I tell you what, Mitchell Chafee's having a good year in Syracuse. I mean, you look at Syracuse's stats. Chafee is is third in points behind Gonsalves and Thompson, who's having a great offensive year from the blue line. How many teams are trying to replicate what Tampa Bay does in terms of scouting players? Well, the Lightning haven't had, like, they haven't had a lot of first-round picks, and they certainly haven't had top ten picks going back to Jonathan Druin. He was the last one, right? Sure. So if unless you're going to find a Braden point 
who is a high-end game breaker at the NHL level in the third round, which is hard to do, or Kucherov, who came to the Lightning, he was available in the second round. There were issues around that. It's not like people didn't know Kucherov was, but he was in Russia, and and there was some risk there taking a player. Is he going to come to North America? Is he willing to play junior hockey? Well, for Kuch, the answer was yes to both. He came and played in the Quebec League. But if you're not going to find the guys that everybody else missed and and was wrong on, and and that player turns into, we'll call it an elite NHL player, the players that you draft, you hope will, will turn into good NHL players, solid NHL yeah. players, players that can contribute. And I don't know if it's at the NHL level for all of these guys, but certainly at the AHL level, the players the Lightning have been able to bring in either through drafting or free agency. And Chafee's a free agent. They brought in a guy who's had not a long career in the AHL, but he's had a few years under his belt. The Lightning put together a really good team in Syracuse. Yeah. To the point that these guys can be called on to come up. And I'm talking about the forwards now because the D are in a little different category because we're talking about their young D and many of them the Lightning have drafted. Or in the case of Lilleberg, they signed, but he's basically at the beginning of his career. You know, if we're talking about Mitchell Chafee or, I mean, who else has come up? Fortier was a draft pick, so that's not a great example. I'm looking at Cole Kepke. He's been in the league. Who was their most recent first-round uh, – not first-round pick. Was it first-round pick who is, was tearing it up? Um – Name is escaping. Yeah, me. the World Juniors. Howard? Yeah, Howard. Isaac Howard. But he hasn't turned go. pro yet. What no, I'm saying is, like... though, at the forward position, yes, yes. the Lightning have some guys with with some experience, and maybe it's at the AHL experience a couple of years, but they're good players. They're showing well at the AHL level. That's why Syracuse is near the top of the standings. Yep, for sure. All I'm saying is it appears I think there's more high end skill on the back end. Potentially just listening to what Stacy said in terms yeah. of the collectively. And I think that bodes well. The other thing, too, is, you know, in the Lightning's position, this is exactly what you need to be doing in terms of drafting players because you have the stars. You want to get the the other players right. to support them. And that's what they're doing. I mean, think about it. The Lightning have a Hall of Famer basically at every level of the team. The forward position, the back end, and the, the goaltending. Yeah. It, it, I understand it doesn't always work out that way. But they're all kind of around the same age. And this is where, really, the Lightning's job is is to not only turn out NHL players on a consistent basis with where they are drafting in the second, third, fourth rounds, but to develop these guys where they can come in and be very serviceable. And I'm not sure a lot of teams can do it. I think what you see with a lot of teams is that they kind of putter out after they have a, a couple of years where they're exceptional and then for whatever reason they just don't have the farm system to keep things moving along and then it takes them kind of another couple of years to replenish but mm-hmm. this has been going on for a while and I'm just saying it's it's a little eye-opening to see how potentially good some of the key positions are for the Lightning this far in considering the draft picks they don't have in the first round. Yeah, well, that's, that's how they have to do it because yeah. they, they've been too good. <laughs> they they, they either have been too good to to draft high in the first yeah. round or they've traded their first round pick. Agreed. Agreed. Basil says, Bolts have a very tough four-game road trip after the break. Important to stockpile some points in these next two home games. Obviously, it's one game at a time, but still hard not to look ahead. 
Well, we have some time, so why not look ahead, right? I mean, by time, I mean it was yeah. it was an off day yesterday. Look, this stretch heading into the bye week was going to be a stretch for the Lightning where they could bank some points, and they've done it. Now they have two games left to add more to that total, but six and one in the last seven is very good. And yeah. they have two teams that are currently on the wrong side of the playoff cut line. Admittedly, both teams are close to that cut line, but Arizona and New Jersey are not exactly leading their divisions. And while I have been very consistent in saying that, you know, strength of schedule, we had that question about strength of schedule, who the heck knows what you're going to get on a given night. So you need to be ready. But the fact that the Lightning had a lot of home games, they didn't have a lot of back-to-backs. In fact, the one game they lost during the stretch was the second half of a back-to-back. And this was an opportunity for them to put together a nice run, and they've done it. Now, they can make it a really nice run if they cash in in these last two games and get points. But Basil is right. On the other side of the break, it's four on the road, and they're seeing two teams currently in first place, Rangers and Bruins. That's the first and the last game on the trip. There's a back-to-back in there. Rangers-Islanders is not a difficult back-to-back in terms of the travel, but they are seeing the Islanders in the second half of a back-to-back, and the other team in there is Columbus, You might say, well, Columbus is near the bottom of the standings, but let's not forget, Columbus beat the Lightning in Columbus earlier this year. So Basil is right. Like, the schedule is going to turn a little bit here. And while I do think that the Lightning have helped themselves, as far as the schedule is concerned, by doing a lot of their heavy lifting on the road already, I mean, they still have some difficult road trips and difficult teams on their schedule between now and the end of the regular season. Sure. So, but let's cross that bridge when we get to it. First things Bank first. Bank these points. Yeah, they need they need to, as Coop said, hopefully he's not going to be saying shame on us, right, for letting, for letting these games slip through their fingers. No, and I think every game that he has a, a little bit of a clunker where the Lightning just aren't good with the puck or they have, you know, times in a game where they're just sloppy – the tolerance will be few and far between. Because I think at this point, you're not going to play a perfect game, but I think with the urgency of where this team needs to be, where the parity is in today's game, and how the Lightning want to keep going here, I think the whole team will be disappointed, partner, if they have some clunkers where it's like, come on, what's going on? Because they're better than that. I think we all understand that dynamic, and we'll see if it plays out that way. They have met their... 12 games, or sorry, 12 points in this segment. So they have two games left in the segment, games 49 and 50. Any points they get in these next two games will reduce their their deficit, which was at five points. They were a minus five to be on playoff pace. They can't get all five of those points back, but they can get up to four, and we'll we'll see if they can take a bite out of that. And then, as Basil mentioned, not to keep harping on this, the next 10 game segment is going to start in difficult fashion, <laughs> where you play the first four on the road. So anything they can do between now and the weekend and the break will be good. It yep. will help them, not only in the immediate sense, but also looking ahead to, to what they have waiting for them on the other side of the break. Good point, Basil. We appreciate that. And uh, everybody else who listened to the show today, Chris Kren was our guest right at the top of the hour. We appreciate him, and uh, we're going to talk to him throughout the broadcast tonight. Partner, we will talk to you in a few hours as we get set for the game tonight.
Awesome. Thank you, sir. See you tonight. Yep. And then we'll be back in this setting tomorrow, noon to one. Thanks to Steve Versnick for all his hard work. Again, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can always do that at Bolts Radio or X, whatever you say. I'm okay. Equal opportunity <laughs> here. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again uh, tomorrow. The Lightning take on the Coyotes tonight. Hope you can join with us for the broadcast right here on Lightning Radio.